Hello and welcome to Making Media Now, the Filmmakers Collaborative Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Azevedo. Joining me on this episode are Robert and Rachel Millman, a father-daughter producing team behind a documentary called Line in the Street. Line in the Street tells the story of citizens, activists, and legislatures as they fight for redistricting reform in Pennsylvania, one of the most heavily gerrymandered states in the country. The film spotlights a groundbreaking redistricting lawsuit, arguing that state legislatures have violated their own state constitution. Here's the trailer. If citizens cannot participate in the vote, then we do not have a democracy. So this is a deep philosophical intention that there will be people who will not access their citizenship. This is Allentown, one of the most underfunded school districts in the country. It ought to have somebody who is thinking only about Allentown, instead it's a piece, and the least important piece of three districts. We are suing under the Pennsylvania Constitution. Um, It's important that these are rights that are given to Pennsylvanians, and we want to protect those rights in state court. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court threw out the state's congressional map. It ruled that districts had been so heavily gerrymandered to benefit Republicans that it violated the state's constitution. We're filing at the United States Supreme Court first. Um, We do not believe that the state Supreme Court had the power. There is no constitutional right to an unconstitutional map. We want people's votes to actually mean something. This is what democracy looks like. 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 Making Media Now is sponsored by Filmmakers Collaborative a nonprofit organization dedicated to supporting media makers from across the creative spectrum. From providing fiscal sponsorship to presenting an array of informative and educational programs, Filmmakers Collaborative supports creatives at every step in their journey. To learn more, visit filmmakerscollab.org. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe, share with friends, and consider leaving a review. And now on to my conversation with Robert and Rachel Millman. Hello and welcome to Making Media Now to Robert and Rachel Millman. Hi, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us, Michael. That first voice you heard was Rachel. I don't think that was a shocker. And the second was her dad, Robert. So this is the first father-daughter duo that we've had as guests on Making Media Now. Uh, Robert and Rachel are the uh, producing team behind a very intriguing documentary called Line in the Street, which deals with the uh, crucially important but oftentimes baffling, confusing issue of gerrymandering, uh, a.k.a 
partisan redistricting, uh, which has an enormous impact on the way the citizenry and voters are, are represented and, you know, whether or not their actual voices are being heard. So, again, welcome to both of you. And I want to just dive right into it. Uh, and either one of you can take this on. Somebody comes to you and says, explain gerrymandering to me in 30 seconds. What do you tell them? I say, do you have 60? Um, <laughs> Because the, the, the problem is, is like for the people who are listening to this and know what it, and have the concept down, they're going to go, oh, yeah, no. Um, I guess I'll let dad take the how he would um, describe it. And if I have any um, things to add on to that, I will volley from there. But how would you describe it in 30 seconds, dad? I'd break it down into three things. What is it? how it works, and why it matters. So first, what gerrymandering is, is it's the sorting and selecting of voters by legislators, state legislators, for the purpose of rigging election results. And the way gerrymandering works, part two, is to split up voters in a way that disables representation, divides them up, or packs voters so their representation in the legislature is numerically meaningless. Gerrymandering is a math cheat. It is not equal treatment. It violates basic state constitutional rights. And item three, why it matters is that state legislatures matter. They, they set ballot access policy, you know, drop boxes, mail-in, of voting hours. They set all financial policy. And this affects every election, everything from president down to county sheriff. So the problem that you have with this sort of thing is like when you've gotten so deeply entrenched in trying to like get people to care about the cause and trying to like remove gerrymandering as a thing, um, you find yourself in the trenches so fast using terminology that people that, that people you just get like a blank stare of like, what what are you talking about? So for me describing it, you have to go like incredibly, incredibly basic. You have to just go gerrymandering is when maps are redrawn using well now using highly sophisticated data to pack all voters of a certain demographic into one district and one into another so it makes it much harder to enact change and enact like fair voting practice and to and to, and to elect what the people actually want and then that's about 27 seconds uh and then people usually go well wait how, what do you mean by that and you have to go a little further so for me it's not so much packing the description into 30 seconds it's getting something in there that'll it's saying something that'll get people to ask more questions so they can not only understand it but understand why you want it eradicated. Yeah. And you know, the name itself uh, doesn't help in the task of, of, of making it comprehensible. I'll share a little piece of geographic or historical trivia with you, uh, Rachel. I had told your dad about this when I, when I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. Uh, so I'm speaking to you from a, a town about 40 miles north of Boston. Marblehead? 
Uh, no, I'm actually up oh. close to Newburyport. Okay. Yeah, on One of my coast. good friends is from Marblehead. All right. Well, not that far. <laughs> not that far. But the um, the inadvertent father of gerrymandering, uh, a governor, Elbridge Jerry, back in 1812, who was the governor of Massachusetts at the time, uh, he got slapped with that name because of a district that res- it, it, it was so contorted to benefit the con- incumbent that it looked like a salamander. Yep. And so people took the word Jerry and salamander, and there you have the practice of gerrymandering. The irony was, as I have read, uh, Elbridge Jerry was actually anti-gerrymandering. So I, yep. I, that, 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 that's sort of fascinating. Um, but I think, if, I think if you explain the concept as, as a manipulation of populations and geography to result in really a non-representative distribution of voters, that's really what you're focusing in on. Yeah. And it's like the other big part of it for me is this isn't how everybody approaches it, but this is how I approach it. The other part of it for me is saying like, this isn't just a one party thing. Exactly. Um, and I also try to not have it say like, oh, this is a two party thing because there aren't just two parties in this country. And I say this as a deeply, deeply annoying leftist. Um, and I'm very proud of that fact. Uh, but like, I say this as like a pretty hardcore leftist that it really does affect everybody. And it does also gerrymandering also does the assist of like, you have to vault yourself into one or two slots basically in order to feel like a majority voting block a Mm -hmm. lot of the time, Mm -hmm. not all the time. Like there are genuine third party or no party people who get elected to like pretty major, um, Uh, parties, but they usually wind up defaulting to one or the other a lot of the time. But like, I mean, I know the mayor of San Antonio is an independent. There are independents elected everywhere, but it is genuinely difficult. And Mm -hmm. I do think that the past, you know, four and a half years have really taught everyone that like a lot of people in this country are genuinely sick of both parties. And there's valid reasons to be sick of both parties. Um, so yeah, so your, your film, A Line in the Street, deals exclusively with the redistricting uh, efforts in uh, Pennsylvania. And the yes. film points out um, how I believe it was in sometime in the late 80s, early 90s, when the Democrats in the Pennsylvania state legislature held the upper hand and holding the upper hand, they did what they could to tip the scales through redistrict redistricting in their favor. And then when Republicans got into office, I believe it was around 2001, when they took control of the um, Pennsylvania legislature, they went and did the same thing. Yeah, it's just an endless feedback loop. And like everybody always I can understand why people always self-justify it. Right. Of like, okay, they've been on top for so long. It's time for me to get my piece of the pie. It's time for me to do that. That's like a very American um, mentality. Right. Of like, I'm going to get mine now. But I found myself very frustrated a couple years ago when there was a federal case against gerrymandering that was voted down. And I saw a lot of people who were 
ostensibly of my politics going, okay, well then Democrats have to gerrymander the other guys out of office forever. And I was like, that's not how this works that you're just aggressively perpetuating the problem. Absolutely. Um, and like, I don't know what the, the listener makeup of your, of this show is. So I don't want to say anything too, too denigrating of one or the other party, but I will say that a lot of mainstream hardcore Republicans and conservatives love to play the victim too. And they'll play it off of nothing. But if you give them anything, then they're especially the victim a lot of the time, I feel. And Democrats do that too. Don't get me wrong. But for the example of this anecdote, it's just like, why would you give Republicans who are already using this power to hold people down more of a reason to say, no, we need to retain it because you're going to use it against me. Mm -hmm. You have to remove the tool entirely. And by way of illustration of how gerrymandering works, Robert, you provided me uh, a very helpful uh, link to a YouTube video that you had put together uh, utilizing, I I, I believe it's nickels and dimes, pennies and dimes, correct? Correct. um, You know, without recreating that moment, uh, explain to me and the listener what the purpose of that illustration was and, you know, how you see that principle being enacted uh, in the case of what what was taking place in Pennsylvania. Okay, so uh, most importantly, gerrymandering is foundational to all vote suppression. And the way gerrymandering works is to split districts in a way that disables representation or pack the districts so the representation in in the legislature is numerically meaningless. It's legislators choosing voters. And if I could only make one point, it is that this violates all 50 state constitutions because all 50 state constitutions with variations in language say the same two things. As a citizen, as a legal citizen, you have a right to vote and you have a right to equal treatment of the law. And gerrymandering is plainly and demonstrably legislators treating voters differently. It's an essential and 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 simple thing and legislators are are basically violating their own state constitution this this might sound like a stretch and and maybe it's an inappropriate thing to say but you know all men are created equal you know that seemed to be okay to overlook that for slavery and i'm not equating the two, but the language in state constitutions is plain. And if if people would just realize the central injustice of this, because a constitution, and the last time I checked, state constitutions are constitutions, endow people with rights. And that is different than a law. A right is inalienable. And I really want people to, to, to grasp that and frankly, get angry because it's undermining democracy and it's actually completely fixable. I'd be glad to explain the fix to you. Yeah. So I just mean, to get back to I'm sorry, Rachel. Continue. What I was going to say, too, is to um, further define the point that you were trying to that you were getting towards, Dad, is for me, it's it is the root of a lot of voter suppression. But 
so often in this country, voter suppression is enacted racially and it's enacted economically. So while, you know, it's just a tool, it doesn't have an income tax bracket. It doesn't have a gender. It doesn't have a race. It is always used against, it is almost always uniformly used against the marginalized and for any, like the one tool, like it's so often said, like the one tool that we all have is voting. Um, and whether or not you agree with that, it is a tool that is offered to you. But like, if your if your knife is constantly dulled, how useful is it in chopping down a tree? So, so like the, so like, you know, if a black community is constantly gerrymandered, then they can't use the vote to vote in somebody who they feel actually represents them, which is sort of the point that dad was getting at in terms Mm -hmm. of like types of oppression and types of um, ways our rights are violated. And it is, it is a huge sliding scale. One does not equal the other, but. So what was it, what was it as, as uh, filmmakers that drew you each particularly to the exercise of gerrymandering um, in Pennsylvania? What happened in Jerry in Pennsylvania was uh, a perfect case in point for, uh, uh, for lack of a better word, my my thesis, which is that uh, voting is a state constitutional right, mm-hmm. and the Pennsylvania case charged gerrymandering as violating the state constitution. Uh, it's and kind the court, of an the Pennsylvania case. State Supreme Court uh, confirmed that with a ruling in 2018. Correct. Yes. And yes. I, I it, it's to date, it's the only real win that has occurred for gerrymander reform. And I, I find kind of find it a frustrating point that I'm the only one that seems to be talking about it. I mean, if if you want to preserve democracy, if you want to fight against a rigged game, you have to celebrate your wins. And I I'm frankly dumbfounded that more people aren't pointing this out as a simple solution because the court said the most simple thing. It said, when you're drawing district maps, the populations have to be equal. Within that process, split the fewest cities, towns, counties, and boroughs as possible. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's do you feel fix. do you do you feel like one of the reasons it is not the victory as you just as you just uh, alluded to isn't triumphed or trumpeted uh, louder on the national stage is because are there members of both parties who say we don't want to shed too much light on gerrymandering because you know there's going to come a day where we want to benefit from that manipulation. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I know you did not ask me that question, but 100 percent. All questions are group questions in this. Uh, But also, I think a larger part of it is that, again, the way generally in media, the way people talk about politics and the way people talk about causes is everything is always kind of met with a sweeping attitude. right? Right. So like. Let me let me get this sentence together. So the way that like we approach victories and losses, it's they're huge victories and huge losses. But really, when you're trying to enact change, it's 
it's it's a bunch of dominoes. It's and like so. Uh, another example is whether uh, what I'll dip, just where wherever you stand on this issue, it's not really relevant to it. But like the fight for Medicare for all, um, there was a big argument within like Medicare for all activists of like, oh, if we can't get the big thing, then there's no point. Whereas there was sort of an opinion that you have to take the little victories, like a little victory could be an expansion of a nurses union union in Wisconsin. A little, little victory could be an expansion of local Medicaid and local Medicare to another age bracket or another type of care, another city. And people don't want to celebrate those too much because it still feels like there's so much to fix, but I was that old adage of the, the perfect being the enemy of the good. Yeah, Amen. it's the perfect being the enemy of the good. And it's also like it's harder to it is it is really hard to say, OK, we have the, we got over this hill and now we have a whole mountain. But you take it piece by piece and you take it step by step if that metaphor tracks to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and- Michael, I'd, I'd, I'd like to give you a, uh, a a film reference, which is The Martian. Sure. He had a huge problem and he had to fix it one item at the time, which goes back to Rachel's point about dominoes. You have to figure out which domino can you knock over first to to get to your end game. And if you don't have a plan, then, you know, you're you're the oxygen's going to run out and you're going to die. In follow up to the ruling by the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court in 2018, that ruling, I assume, has been challenged in in the courts. Uh, Has the Supreme Court chimed in on this particular case? Uh, And will they, to your knowledge, if they haven't? They did not. And the Republicans in Pennsylvania on three separate occasions to get the Supreme Court to hear this case, and the Supreme Court would not hear this case, which took place in 2018. Then in 2019, the same Supreme Court decided they, they would not hear gerrymandering at all in the Rucho case. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't hold the current Supreme Court in in, in very good regard. Uh, in a way, they've been consistent. They're, they're saying we don't care about voting. OK, so this is so the, the Supreme Court is essentially, at least for now, is going to wants to leave it to the states to work these these issues out. Except yeah. when they don't want to, as as in there was a case recently where in California, SCOTUS stepped in and said that the state law in California had to be changed regarding giving the names of donors, because that was a First Amendment right of Mm -hmm. of the donors. Hey, is voting speech, is voting a First Amendment right? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Viable question. To go back to two questions you asked, Michael, One, you asked how we came to be familiar with gerrymandering and came to be familiar with this case. And I just my 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 journey was a little bit different from my dad's um, in terms of being so 
for me, what got me interested in this case was, um, I guess it starts technically speaking with, uh, the 2000 election when I, it was basically one of the first times I became really politically cognizant, um, which is that I didn't understand what an electoral college was as Neither did a lot of the country. Uh, I think most people learned about it from that one Pizza Hut ad. Uh, <laughs> if you remember that. And if not, I will find it and send you it. Um, if it didn't involve Spuds McKenzie, I didn't understand. <laughs> it. Yeah, it's uh, the Noid taught me about <laughs> gerrymander. No, there was a very quick turnaround and I believe for Pizza Hut right after the 2000 election that was trying and the 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 gist of it, it was like a 24 hour turnaround. It was crazy. The gist of it was whether or not people in Florida ate their stuffed crust pizza, pizza forward, forwards or backwards. OK, yeah. And like you're 13 years old. Yeah. Um, and so you have no idea what's going on with the election because you haven't been taught that yet. And now I think kids a little younger than that are a little more familiar with the electoral college. But I wasn't. So I turned to my dad and said, what? What's going on here? I thought they just tallied all the votes and that was it. Why is it state by state? This is really weird. And he explained an electoral college to me. And I said, well, that seems not fair. And he said, wait till you hear about this other thing and taught me about gerrymandering. So I was obviously a very cool 13 year old armed with that knowledge. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic <laughs> origin story for a father daughter activist <laughs> filmmaking duo. Yeah, it's like a 13-year-old with a Blink-182 poster and an innate knowledge of gerrymandering. <laughs> um, it's just, here we go. Um, and then, you know, fast forward several moons. Um, and I had just come off of an off the seat of my pants, very successful charity fundraiser uh, thing I had done on Twitter, actually where I wanted to raise money for people affected by Hurricane Harvey mm -hmm. it was a number of years ago, um, where I told people that, that if they donated to, donated to charities for South Texas um, and sent me the receipt, I would send them an exclusive photo of my then roommate's cat behaving very poorly. <laughs> um it raised $23,000 and it got a little bit of like media coverage. And my dad called me up and said, congratulations. I'm really proud of you. You did great work. Um, how would you feel about doing that again? And I said, what do you mean? And he told me that the Pennsylvania lawsuit had been filed. He happened to, happened to catch a small blurb about it in the excuse me on that birth. Let me start that sentence over for your editing. Uh, he happened to catch a small blurb about it in the NYT about the Pennsylvania course court filing. And I said, well, why is this different? And then he broke down the very important thesis of our movie, which is that um, on a state by state basis, state constitutions have what the U S constitution does not, which is one your right to vote in plain English, because that is not in the original constitution that is amended in the constitution um, several times over, um, as most know. And then number two that is included in state constitutions um, that is, again, not in the U.S. constitution is your right to equal protection. Mm -hmm. gerrymandering by the letter of what it is, is not equal protection. So the Pennsylvania case was something my dad was immediately very invested in. And he said, do you think you can crowdfund that again? And I said, 
I could probably get you 10 grand in a month. And he said, what about 20? And I said, um, (laughs) I might need a month and a half. And he said, what about 30? And I said, I need you to get me a concrete budget before we go any further. (laughs) Um, So I was initially very primarily involved in pulling every string I had on the internet and uh, raising the money that we raised to make this movie, Um, uh, which to a lot of people raising, I think it was $27,000. That's a lot of money, but for making a movie, it's not a lot of money. (laughs) But we did it and we did it on that budget. So that is answering your first question on how I came, became involved in this. Um, and I unfortunately cannot 100% remember your second question that I was going to follow up Th- on. That's, that's, that's on quite me. all right. Well, that's my 20, bad. <laughs> a $27,000 investment on behalf of your crowdfunding efforts, mm-hmm. you know, you both can stand very proud about the end result, which is an yeah. engaging and informative uh, film. I'm curious what has been the reception uh, I think it's it was, it's interesting that you've provided both a 30-minute version of the film and then a longer version of the film. What's the perception, the reception been uh, of the film as you've been sharing it and 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 rolling it out? I I know that you did uh, receive an receive an award from the, an organization called Impact Docs, uh, but Robert, share share with us a bit more about how the rollout has been so far. Uh, we're still trying to find somebody to really, you know, uh, embrace and, and use this. I mean, we we made a film. I'm trying to find somebody to to run with it mm-hmm. uh, because it tells a story that no one else is telling. Uh, and I, I have frustration with with film festivals generally, um, which is that or well, modern documentary tends to be a story with a hero. The hero confronts a problem. The hero solves the problem. People at the end of the film say, well, that problem's solved. And this is not going to be solved. There, there is no one hero in this film. If people don't see this as the existential threat that it is, um, I I don't know. And if 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 it continues to become us versus them, Republicans versus Democrats, as opposed to are we going to have representative democracy or uh, uh, an autocracy? You know, I I want people to see that. But uh, uh, it's it's been spotty. I, I, I keep hoping that, you know, someone will will grab onto this and and use it. Uh, mm-hmm. League of Women Voters has used it quite a bit, but they're only showing it to their members. You know, as as anybody who believes in 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 struggling for the the, the, the right to vote uh, and and against you know really awful you know laws that are being enacted across the state, we can't just talk to each other if we don't reach out. You know. We, we can pat ourselves on the back for being right and losing, uh, you know, basically. And, and you know, uh, I just I, I, I have a ton of respect for Rachel because uh, she's been out there, you know, uh, uh, fighting for injustice thing. Way before this this film, you know, uh, happened. And, uh, you know, I, I just think it, it's an obligation if if we actually believe in 
the best promise offered by the United States of America, that is the idea of representative democracy. And yes, we've screwed it up many times and we've made a million mistakes, but that's the basic idea. And, and if we lose that, we've really kind of lost everything. I have a I have a question about your working relationship. Uh, what does an undertaking such as this either uncover or uh, sort of uh, make possible about the father daughter dynamic? Well, and- I'll answer real quickly, and then I'll let Rachel go. <laughs> I Rachel and I love each other, but like all parents and children, we have our own grooves, and we make each other crazy. We love each other, and we make each other crazy. That does well, sound like two defining gonna, characteristics. I wasn't going to phrase it like that. <laughs> of course um, not. You just I proved was, his point. <laughs> I took a point. Um, I was not going to neg my father um what i was gonna say is uh we have it was actually for me like the actual making of the film was not actually that stressful at all and i had several friends reach out and be like it's really impressive and really lovely that you're doing this with your dad i can't even imagine the idea of planning a barbecue with my father really stresses me out so the fact that you guys are able to do this says wonderful things in your relationship and it's true like i am in a lot of ways, absolutely raised in my father's image. Um, and it was very interesting going into stuff because we filmed a lot of uh, protest scenes in the Pennsylvania State Capitol building. And every single time dad would turn to me and his, his body language and everything in his presence just said, you're about to get a lecture. Um, and he would always say, Rachel, we're here to document. We are not here to get involved. We are here to document. You are not here to get arrested, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yes, of course, absolutely. And then we'd be about five minutes. Yeah, that, into that, that's the, that's the paternal instinct kicking in, reminding your kid not to get arrested. Hear me out. Um, <laughs> and then about, we get there at about three minutes in, he would just underhand pop me his keys and say like, okay, I'm going in. I might go get arrested. And I was like, why did I just get the speech? Do as why I say, I not as get I do. It? <laughs> well, I want to thank you both. <laughs> We want to thank you both for joining and to remind our listeners, we're talking about a film called Line in the Street. Uh, where can listeners find the film uh, on either a shorter version or the full length version? We are on both Amazon Prime and Vimeo. Uh, you, you can also contact us directly at lineinthestreet at gmail.com. And we also have lineinthestreet.com. We also have a Twitter feed that my dad mostly runs uh, at twitter.com slash lineinthestreet. And if you feel like getting in contact directly with me, I have my personal Twitter twitter.com slash Rachel Millman uh, if you like cat photos. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I consider myself warned. Uh, <laughs> They're great. I love... They they are great. <laughs> the ferals I feed, my my cats who live in a house. They're all great. They're all good at is a celebrity. He is a celebrity. That's very See, right true. right here. The, the, this sounds like <laughs> the uh, the content for another partnership between, between the two of you. <laughs> Perhaps a little bit more lighthearted. Again, I've been th- I, I've been speaking with Robert and Rachel Millman about their film Line in the Street, which is really uh, quite illuminating. It actually it deconstructs and explains the whole concept uh, very compellingly. So I thank you for the opportunity to share the film and thank to you speak so with much. me today. 
Thank uh, you what, so much for having us. I really, really appreciate you taking the time. What, one last pitch. Uh, if any uh, organization is interested in having a public screening event of the film, please contact us. Absolutely. Yes, and we'll make do. sure I will make sure to put all of this information and I'll follow up with you on it uh, in the program notes for the podcast when it does drop. Great. Thank all you right, so thank, much. Thank, thank you. Both. you. It's been a pleasure. Have a great rest of your day. You too. Bye bye.